the communists, they are not like us. They are not like us. Guys, this story that I that I saw a couple days ago uh, on a, a little short on YouTube from our friends over at Epoch Times, who are one of the few last real newspapers in the world, had a story that I couldn't believe I had to source it twice because I simply couldn't believe it. And it, and it involves the, um, the Chinese People Liberation Army. Uh, they're testing out ex new experimental helmets. Now, that's always a good thing to have for soldiers. You want to, you know, I remember when we went into the Gulf with those new um, Kevlar helmets, and they were taking direct bullet rounds to the head and just bouncing off. That's pretty cool. Here's the thing about the Chinese experimental helmets, though. They contain an explosive charge. What? I'm not making this up. And and yeah, they do. And and so the, the infantry helmets that they're testing contain an explosive charge, and the, and the Chinese Communist government is, position is... This way, if a soldier is wounded and does not want to undergo the ignominy of, of being captured, he can activate the self-destruct self mechanism in his helmet and blow his head to ribbons. Oh, and one small other little detail, just a tiny little thing, really hardly even worth mentioning. That, that detonation mechanism can also be Remotely. activated by remote I control. Knew I, I knew it. I knew it. Uh. They are not like us. They are not like us. And... <laughs> Well, we got to jam just, that frequency, uh, you know, for, uh, or take it over. Uh, well, jam it, jam it, or yeah. activate it, yeah. right? Okay, so Re I can so just hear it now: real, rerouting, right? rerouting. This is real, and and wow, I don't even know where to begin about this. When I first, I said, "Kind of can't be true," and I and I went to the Suicide Squad, and at the end of um, you know, uh, Life of Brian, you know, these are our, our vaunted suicide troops. Yeah. Um, when you look at the morale of the of the Russians in Ukraine, and the number of outright desertions, and the number of, of you know fire one shot, drop the rifle, and run that kind of thing, right? You can see how a totalitarian government might be interested in something like this. The person who invented this kind of thing, at least in modern history, was Leon Trotsky when he when he formed the Red Army during the Russian Civil War. Trotsky was the guy who came up with the idea of of blocking troops. You send, your, you send your line forward to go against the enemy soldiers, and behind that line, you deploy a couple of um, checkists, 10 or 20 ought to do it, with two or three machine guns, and if anybody starts retreating, you gun your own troops down in order to encourage yeah, the others. You don't have to shoot many. And, mm. um, and so what they are essentially saying to Chinese soldiers, now these have not been widely implemented, but this is a thing, right? What they're basically saying, of course, is you will you will go out there and fight, and if you if you retreat or surrender, you might as well fight to death because because that's how it's going to go. And when I heard this, I was after the, just the, just the sheer amazement of it. I was just enormously relieved, you know, because this is not something you do to motivated troops, no. right, Steve? I mean, mor morale is is everything, and and it, I mean, the, the one thing that we learned in Ukraine is is that morale is what's deciding whether that war was a three-day war going into its you know second year and when you are basically saying to your soldiers you we have the ability to to kill you if you don't fight that that is an indication just the implementation of that thing and the fact that it's made public that that, that the chinese leadership must have some serious serious doubts about the reliability of their troops uh. Right. First, uh, if I were a Chinese businessman anywhere in manufacturing, I'd be thinking about setting up a supply of black market army helmets that didn't have this, and then selling them at a that looked exactly at, at a like nice yeah. markup. Replicas. 
to uh, to, to soldiers. A little, little flashing red light on the back that doesn't do exactly. anything. Exactly. Um, so... I'm right now. I'm reading uh, the third book in Ian Toll's World War II history of the of the Pacific Campaign, uh, Twilight of the Gods. I think it covers uh, 1944 and 45. And the first two books were amazingly good. Two of the the best Pacific Campaign books I've read. And this third one is even more detailed, if that's possible. And we're we're getting into the the, the last year of the war, and. Japanese fanaticism was really tough for us to deal with. Uh, Japanese soldiers, by and large, simply would not surrender. Their 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 emperor right. was uh, was a god on earth, and if they did not die for him, they they if if they surrendered, they would lose their honor. And this led to all sorts of horrible things. Uh, wounded Japanese might uh, play dead and have a grenade and blow up a. A marine. Yep. Wait for the wait, or, or call exactly. for aid, call and wait for, for U.S. Medic. medics to come corpsmen. Yeah, corpsmen. and then and then blow up the corpsmen, which is take out three or four yeah, Americans. Just, yeah, just awful, awful stuff. But this is the kind of devoted fighting you get from troops who are, well, let's just say, highly motivated. And uh, Japanese soldiers in World War II are perhaps more motivated than any other soldiers at any time, or at least a way up there. And we had to do things that we'd never thought of before, like invent flamethrower tanks to burn guys out of caves who just, even though the battle for the island was lost, would not come out of the damn cave and kept sniping at our people. Um, And you hate losing people when the battle is supposed to be over. Um, And you can't buy that kind of fanaticism. It, it, It has to either be instilled through a sort of religious fervor like the Japanese had, or it has to be instilled from childhood by by belief and pride in your country's civic institutions, which has always been the great fighting strength of uh, the American soldier or, or marine or sailor or airman. Um, this idea, Bill, I think I've really said everything I, I need to say. This idea of putting a bomb in your soldiers' helmets as a way to motivate them. Um, the, it, just, it just the whole concept just makes your head explode, it, it, right? It really does. Just, and let, me, let me say this. <laughs> Chairman Xi likes to set, him, has set himself up as the most powerful Chinese strongman since, since Mao. And uh, the, the the pro-Xi propaganda, they're they're doing their best to turn him into a god on earth, like like they did with Mao when he was running the country, uh, ruling the country, I should say. A little tough when he looks like Winnie well, the Pooh, you know. It's a little tougher it, it, to get that. It kind really of... is. But he's been in power for for ten years now. He's got his third five-year term coming up, and all I can say is his ten years must have been an absolute disaster for army morale if this is what they've done. Yeah. I'll get to you in just one second, Scott. I want to address the, the stuff that Steve talked about because it's something I know quite a bit about. Um, the idea that these Japanese soldiers were highly motivated, and f- fanatical is probably a better word, there's no question that that's true, but they were not nearly as effective fighters as the yeah. U.S. Marines were. Yeah. And and one of the reasons is if you've got that robotic level of of obedience to authority, you're not going to take the initiative. The, 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 the thing about Americans in World War II, both in the European and the Pacific theater, was their initiative. I remember my dad telling me, he was a second lieutenant, got there in the last week of the war, he was never in combat or anything, but he said just all the time in Europe, when Patton's moving Third Army so fast they can't keep track of him, they'd be sitting up on a hill, you know, and the guys are just looking down there at this village, and there's like, I don't see any Germans in there. 
and, 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 and the second lieutenant, right? Butter bar lieutenant says, let's take the town. Well, we don't have authorization for it. Yeah, but we haven't been forbidden it either. Let's just go take the frickin' town. That's one less town we have to go take. And so, so you lose that. But the, but the more important issue is, is that in, if you look at the very specifics, it's that death cult that actually saved uncounted American lives. In the case of Iwo, the, the Japanese soldiers got to the point where they would either do a, a bonsai charge with bayonets and, 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 um, and samurai swords with katanas, right? Oh, In which case, we just mow them down, just mow them down. Or they would commit mass suicide inside the caves inside of Mount Suribachi and throughout the island. And so they're, they're taking their own troops out, right? I mean, there, there, there were thousands and thousands of Japanese troops on Iwo Jima that killed themselves instead of fighting effectively against the American forces. So, you know, this is a sword that cuts both ways. But uh, Scott, you know, I've, I've, I've done a series on the Cold War and I'm, I'm deep in this really difficult but highly rewarding series for Daily Wire on um, called Empire Terror about the, about the Soviet Union. And the thing that, that is, seems to be the most singular quality of, of this kind of intense socialism of communism and that kind of thing, and socialism in general, is just the utter disregard for individual humans. Yeah. They don't exist. They are simply cogs. They're Red Army waves or the Red Chinese waves. They're just, we're going to throw 100,000 men against this position, and if we lose 80,000 of them and take the position, that's okay. They don't see that as 80,000 individual fathers and brothers and sons. And, you know, it just doesn't register that way. It was, it was like the uh, scene which may have been completely made up in the William Wallace movie that um, – the Braveheart that Mel Gibson made where the, the king basically says, you know, send the peasants in, you know, like he doesn't care how many troops he loses uh, because he has a single objective and the life of any individual doesn't matter. Um, you know, I, I never uh, allow myself to forget that the people who live in autocracies, no matter what we may think of them, are in effect prisoners. They've been prisoners of the mind from infancy, and they become almost literal prisoners when they sign up for the military. Um, their families are always in jeopardy. Um, if anything uh, in their behavior would cause their leadership to, to question their loyalty, um, you know, in, in their performance on the battlefield uh, is, as you've pointed out here, could literally make their heads explode. Um, and so, you know, we, we're we are, if we ever come to blows with people like this, we're fighting against people who, uh, like Saddam's army, would just as soon drop their weapons and raise their hands. And, and, uh, and they know they'd be better off as American prisoners than they would as regular army guys in Saddam's army. You know, and, and same kind of thing here. I think I've told the story before about how after World War II, uh, one of my grandfather's responsibilities before he got shipped back stateside, there was a long line waiting to get back to the States. And uh, he was keeping an eye on this uh, German POW. And there would be times where they had to go somewhere in a Jeep and he's driving the Jeep and the German POW is holding his rifle. <laughs> and they pull up to the guard station because they're going to leave the base and the, the MP at the guard station is questioning what's going on. And Staff Sergeant McMaster, my grandfather, is like, everything's fine. No problem, sir. 
you know, like, like he could, he knew he could hand that German POW his rifle because that guy would much rather be in the hands of an American GI than he would in Adolf Hitler. Then, then in yeah. the Soviet, you betcha, yeah. yes, yes, or either any of these kind of autocracies. Um, the other thing you made me think of when it comes to this kind of technology, I once met a guy who developed. Uh, one of the major uh, night vision goggle systems being used uh, by the U.S. Army and his company produced, you know, scads of these things for the Army. And one of the things he told me just kind of in passing one day was that that one of the items that they produced were uh, essentially decals that could only be seen in night vision glasses. And I said, I don't understand. What the heck is that? And he said, we put them on the backs of all the American soldiers and their and their military and their uh, their vehicles. And it is so through night vision goggles, we can always identify the friendlies and we're not going to accidentally shoot them. That's that's what a democratic republic does. It values the individual and says, hey, we got this great technology. It's really going to help us defeat the enemy. Um, oh, dear God, we never want to use this against our own people. So let's make sure that we take every precaution. Now, obviously, mistakes happen. Uh, stuff, you know, people get hurt who aren't supposed to get hurt. But we're, we're bending over backwards. And it's the same thing as I saw in a documentary a few years ago where these this American soldier was down. They didn't know if he was dead in Iraq or not. He may have been injured. And men risked their lives to go recover, as far as they knew, his body. Um, but they were going to run into the fire to, to, to get this guy. And anytime somebody questions your belief in the, uh, the exceptionalism of this republic, you need to call that to mind. You may not be able to persuade them of it, but you need to call that to mind and say, you know what? Uh, you can say bad things about the United States of America, certainly with justification in many cases. But we care for our own. We see each GI. We care for the individual. And uh, we would never be in a position where we said, hey, let's provide the suicide pill or the exploding helmet or the remotely detonated exploding helmet for our guys in case they decide to turn tail and run. We would give them psychological treatment. <laughs> Uh, many of the Japanese uh, uh, kamikaze planes were regular airplanes, but they had a rocket-powered uh, first cruise missile, really, and, and the pilots were bolted into that thing. They're not coming back. Once they take off, you might as well hit the ship because they're not coming back. Uh, I don't know how many uh, young people out there who are big uh, proponents of socialism are going to watch this, but maybe people watching this may know somebody like this. It's something you might want to tell people about a socialist government, a collectivist government, right? This is why people risk their lives to go from Cuba to Florida and not the other way around. This is why nobody was ever shot going over the Berlin Wall trying to get into East Germany. Not one. Not one person. The, the, the respect for individual human life in the West and especially in America is unique in the world in history. As, as both of these fine gentlemen have pointed out, historically, you would, if you're the king or the earl or the duke or the shah or the whatever, you would just simply order millions of people, hundreds of thousands up a hill, you would get your political objective and how many people's lives that costs, not your problem, because they're not really people. We don't look at things that way. The entire history of the US uh, military since the end, since World War II uh, has, been, has been the willingness to spend uh, sweat, brain power, and money in order to save on blood. And that's what the entire Cold War was. We had a far smaller number of more advanced weapons against a huge number of enemy troops who were more than ready to just kill as many guys as they needed to in order to win. We weren't going to do that. 
We don't look at people that way. One of the things that's most shocking to me about the situation in Ukraine, although after you start hearing the stories of these Russian conscripts, it's not amazing at all. But you would see these just these dead Russian soldiers just lying everywhere, just lying in the streets. And, and the Russians would retreat and just leave them there. Now, if, you, if you're a kind of person who wants to look at this in a socialist kind of way, a collectivist kind of way, you would say, what's the point of sending 20 living soldiers to go get the body of one dead one? You, you might, you're not going to get anything back, and all, you might just lose more soldiers. The, the point is, is that if you are a living soldier on the battlefield, and you know that if you get in trouble, somebody's going to come after you, yeah. even if you're dead, you will fight much harder and much longer and much more confidently and with much higher purpose. When you force people into going into the army, when you force people into, into situations where they're not expected to survive because you are a collectivist system, you get people who actually want to live trying to figure out a way to get out of this situation. When you have an all-volunteer force that is fighting for something that they believe in, then you get the most deadly weapon ever in the history of the world, and that is highly motivated free people who don't have to be there. Those are the people you need to watch out for. You don't need exploding helmets for those people. You need somebody to hold them back. Uh, the, the admission uh, of weakness on the part of China by just simply announcing, forget announcing, just by simply, just by simply building a prototype of this tells you an awful lot more about what's going on in China than you're ever going to hear from uh, Disney movies or other media that's owned by the Chinese Communist Party. That is a shocking admission of, of the unreliability of their soldiers, and it doesn't surprise me one bit. And as we've said many times on the show, uh, the Chinese people, like the Japanese people and the Russian people, deserve a better government than these socialist uh, megalomaniacs who just look at human beings as just that many rounds of ammunition to be expended. For Steve Green and Scott Ott, I'm Bill Whittle. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time right here on Right Angle.